Welcome to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. We are your hosts, Alora and Kitty. And in this episode, we're journeying to the land of our Celtic ancestors to learn about Celtic deities, druids, and reconstructionist shamanic and magical practices. If you're interested in incorporating Celtic magic into your practice, this is the episode you'll want to listen to. So grab your cuppa and settle in. So Kitty, what's up? Yeah, what's up? So I have to ask, is Celtic witchcraft or paganism a big part of your personal practice? And if it is, how? Yes, I would say 50% is inspired by our Celtic ancestors. Wow. Yeah, I have a lot of Celtic DNA and I'm working with a goddess of my ancestors who is of Celtic Irish origin. Her name is Cleana. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. About you? So my heritage is definitely Celtic uh, because I have Scottish and Irish and uh, German, which, well, I think that falls more Norse, but Scottish... What? It can be. The Celts were there too. Yeah, true. So I guess, well, I kind of guess we should define Celtic witchcraft a little bit. Yes. Yeah, do that. We need you to define it, please. Okay. (laughs) So it can take on many meanings depending on the individual practicing it, but the word Celtic refers to the ancient people of continental and insular Europe. So we need to keep in mind that at one point, the Celts lived everywhere from Turkey to the British Isles. So when we say Celtic, we're not just referring to ancient Irish or Scottish traditions, even though those are the first places that usually come to mind when the word Celtic comes up. Mm -hmm. Second, there are traditional Wiccan covens who practice a Celtic form of Wiccan religion, Mm -hmm. but for our podcast, Celtic witchcraft is going to refer to more of a solitary witch's practice, uh, more folk magic rather than an organized tradition. Yes. So we will look at what we know of Celtic magic, including Celtic reconstructionist shamanism and Celtic paganism and how these elements may be incorporated into modern practice. So in saying that... (laughs) Right. Germanic could be considered because they were all over. Correct. Yeah. Before the Germanic peoples or nations. Yeah. The Celts were everywhere at one point from Turkey to the British Isles to Ireland for sure. Right. Exactly. And saying that, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say in even ancient cultures, such as like the Gaulish people. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, it's a big one. There's a lot of Gaulish deities that I think are forgotten about as well. Right. For that reason. 
Mm. Everyone just thinks, everyone thinks Celtic. They automatically think, like you said, Irish, Scottish, even Welsh, but it goes far beyond that. Right. So saying that, do you believe, and I, I want to say someone asked this question, but I couldn't find exactly who it was. So if it was you, I'm sorry, but you know, it's here. <laughs> so thank you. Is there a difference between Irish, Scottish, Welsh, and let's say Gaulish types of Celtic witchcraft? So uh, <laughs> the simple answer is yes, there is a difference. So yeah. they share many similarities and the Celts were also on the continent of Europe in ancient times. Right. So every region and every section of people had their own difference in beliefs and traditions, but they also shared many as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So this kind of, I guess the best way that we can uh, compare this would be if you live in the United States, you are all American. But if you're from the state of Florida, you are also a Floridian, Correct. right? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So this is kind of the way that the Celtic world worked. Yeah. Um, it all, and it, oh, go ahead. I said it makes sense to me. But it also depends on what time period you're talking about too, because if you study like Scottish cunning ways or witchcraft from the early modern era up until now, it's going to look and be different than its Irish counterpart, but again, have similarities. So even though the simple answer is yes, it's still a complex question. <laughs> it is. So like I said, I think the best way that we can kind of compare it is being from a country and a state. So you have your you know, nationality in common with everyone from that country. But when you, when it comes to state, that's uh, unique. Yeah. And for, for our intents and purposes, we're not really diving into the more, I don't want to say modern, but let's say like the early modern era cunning ways necessarily in this podcast, we're kind of looking at it overall, but really centering more on what we know of the ancient practices. Right. Which is far different. Right. On that note, let's talk about a very central part of the, what I think is Celtic witchcraft. And that is the reconstructionist shamanic practices and beliefs of the Celts or what we know. I would okay. say... Before we get started, before Alora really educates us on this, if you are wanting to incorporate Celtic shamanic or witchcraft practices into your practice, this is, this is what you're going to want to take notes on at this point. Mm -hmm. Okay. So talk to us about, this is probably one of the first words that come up when we think Celtic. Talk to us about Druids and Druidry. <laughs> well... When most people hear the words Celtic shamanism or Celtic magic, they automatically think of Druids, right? Mm -hmm. So Druids were the priesthood of the ancient Celts. They not only divined messages and gave spiritual advice, but they were in direct communication with the gods and they also helped settle everyday matters. 
They were essentially the elders or spiritual leaders of the Celtic tribes. And actually they think, they think that Druidism and Druidry is far older than Celtic, than the Celts, Mm -hmm. um, that, that it predates Celtic priesthood altogether. But, but we don't have the evidence, the archaeological evidence to solidify that. Right. And, and for the record, Stonehenge was not built by Druids. (laughs) Right. Uh, well, we don't know. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, we don't know people. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot about the Druids that we don't know. So we, and we don't, we don't know a lot because Druids did not write down their magic or practices, theology, anything. Uh, It was, they were an oral tradition and brotherhood priesthood. So there were, there are no records. And the only people who wrote about the Druids were the Romans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So most probably the most prominent accounts that we have are from Caesar himself, but also people like Cicero and uh, oh, their names Tacitus. escape me. Tac- yeah, Tacitus. Tacitus. Yeah. But Roman historians, poets, classicists. Uh, and you have to remember as well, when we're reading things about Druids that, that Romans have written, it's the same as reading things like in U.S. history, when you read colonial accounts of indigenous people, yeah, right? So yeah. we can't really say that it's 100% accurate because the, the victors are writing their observations of what they believe to be an inferior people. True. <clears throat> yep. So... From those writings, we have developed a, an understanding that they practiced divination and engaged in uh, certain shamanic practices. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say that that's the only thing that the Druids did. And right. they actually, from what we know, they fulfilled a lot of roles within society, including teacher, doctor, judge, uh, strategist, political right hand. Uh, a lot, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. They and were they were running it, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like nothing happened in the ancient Celtic world without the okay from a Druid priest. Right. All right. So, also, if you're interested in learning more on the Druids themselves, uh, I just actually wrote an article this week on the Druids for otherworldlyoracle.com. So you can go there, type in the word Druids, and it should pop up right away. Or you can go to the blog, and it's the first one at the top. Mm. Or that. <laughs> <laughs> talk to okay. us. Go ahead and talk to us about the Celtic way of looking at the sacredness of the earth. So land, sea, and sky. Right. So land, sea, and sky. We all know, or at least most of us know, that the Celts were nature people. Um, and in fact, the word druid means oak knower. 
So their (laughs) their beliefs and traditions, including their magic, all revolved around nature and more specifically nature in three forms. So you had land, sea, and sky. And you'll notice the number three comes up a lot when we're talking about Celtic witchcraft. And it's really... Oh, I'm sorry. What? I said, yep. (laughs) I was just going to say, it's really no different than the sacred Trinity and other traditions. True. Uh, The number three was sacred to the Celts uh, and is used often in their artworks. We see it on ancient tombs, archeological finds. The number three represents many things, right? So land, sea, and sky, life, death, rebirth, as well as certain deities who often manifested in threes. So the Morgan breed, etc. The belief in the sacred power of three is represented by multiple Celtic symbols, including the Triskel and Triketra. Which I want a tattoo of both of those. <laughs> Where? <laughs> I haven't figured it out yet. I thought maybe feet, but I'm not sure because I know that that hurts. <laughs> oh, yes. I've heard that's like one of the most painful places you can get a tattoo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. What about, because you said the Druids, the name Druid means Oak Knower. Yes, it does. Talk to us about where the Druids and the Celts mainly did their worshiping or rituals. So the Celts worshiped and did their magic in tree groves or more specifically Druids because it's not exclusive to Druids that they were the only ones that did magic, but Pretty mm-hmm. much, I think if you were doing magic, you had to go through a druid to do it, um, especially because they, I mean, <laughs> their time to become a druid could be up to 20 years long of learning. Like wow. they were, an, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. They were an initiate for 20 years. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Which is interesting because back, way back in the day when we're talking about, yeah. The average life expectancy was 40. Yeah. I was going to say you, you were lucky if you made it to your thirties, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Exactly. So, okay. So they did their magic in tree groves, but more specifically in Oak groves as the Oak tree was held in the highest regard, i.e. Oak knowers were held in the highest regard. Right. So according to the Roman historian Tacitus, The grove is the center of their whole religion. It is regarded as the cradle of the race and the dwelling place of the gods to whom all things are subject. In addition, some Celtic bands took on names like men of the Rowan or sons of the Oak. In later centuries, sacred wells became a big part of the Celts beliefs in the sanctity of the land and of which housed Ancient gods and land spirits. Sacred wells can still be visited in Ireland, but they are typically dedicated to saints now. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Christianity. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in Germany and France, ancient thermal springs were the center of much sacred journeying and healing rituals. You can still bathe in these thermal springs today. Um, and the, apparently, there's one in Germany. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple. Yeah. And I hear you have plans to go there. 
Yeah, I was supposed to go last year with my stepmother-in-law. Shout out to you if you're listening. <laughs> but yeah, there's a thermal, there's a there's ancient thermal springs all over Europe, but there's a bunch in Germany, and there's one in Baden-Baden where some of my ancestors are from that you can still go to today. And you literally, she was telling me that you you just float in these really warm water, and you just kind of they have music playing, and you're not supposed to talk at all like when you're in there mm-hmm. you just lay back and just soak basically sounds pretty awesome so i plan to do that whenever you know the borders let us in <laughs> ever ever <laughs> awesome i'm loving this topic what about playing into the whole druids are about oak trees and the celts are all about the trees tell us more about the sacred Celtic trees, because I think they had certain ones that they like, or I don't know. Okay, so before I started on that, I'm just going to preface this with, as much as I love Celtic and Norse language, I suck at (laughs) pronunciation (laughs) of all these words. Dude, I can't even tell you how long it took me to recognize the name Neve, because it is not spelled with any type of V. <laughs> Maeve? Maeve? Who are you talking about? No, no, no. Like like the name Neve is N A E M H, I believe, is how they spell it in Celt. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah. The point is it's a very confusing language, as is oh, Norse. Sure. Yes. <laughs> To be able to pronounce Weirdly enough, the Norse words come more naturally to me. I don't know. The Celts, Celtic stuff, Gaelic, not so much. Right. I said Celtic. I meant Gaelic. You know what I mean. Oh, same. They use, they use, uh, MH for like a V sound. And yeah, it's just, I'm not used to it. All right. But anyway, you have to Google every single word. How do I pronounce this? Right. Okay. So let's elaborate on the Celts' love for trees. Mm -hmm. They loved trees so much that they based an entire system of writing on them. Mm -hmm. It's called the Oum. I think I'm saying that correctly. I think it's close. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say Oyum. Oyum? Oyum. I have no idea. According to legend, the oyum was invented by the god Oima. I'm, a, I'm guessing. <laughs> is that, wait, this, uh, this is spelled O-G-M-A is mm-hmm. the god here. And the system is O-G-H-A-M. Right. So Oima was the Celtic god of literature. Yes. So... Similar to the runes of Norse origin, the oyum serves as a system of writing, but each marking has its own spiritual or sacred meaning and connects to a specific tree or plant. Yes. So there are 25 oyum letters and they're grouped into five classes. I'm not going to go into detail here because we could do a whole episode on Oyam and probably will. So it's another, this is another system of divination and writing, right? Essentially. So like tarot, like the Norse runes, like 
scrying, like that's a whole topic all by itself. And I wonder, cause I have not done, I have not, I don't know much about the Oyam, but I wonder if the God o- Oyama, the Celtic God of literature, I wonder if it's a similar story to Odin and the runes. Perhaps. I'm you not know? sure. We need to look into that. That's going to be interesting. It's a, it's kind I feel like the Oyam is even more intricate and confusing than the elder Futhark. <laughs> well, I just had another podcast idea, so that's awesome. What, what, what? Uh, myths across cultures. I think that would make a good one. Oh, I don't have a pen. <laughs> oh, I do. I've okay. written I've written it down because I'm like, I need to write do? this down. Yeah, <laughs> that is, yeah. There's a lot, I mean, there's actually, I mean, we're not going to get into this, but the Dagda and Odin have a lot of similarities too that we should probably explore. Right. I agree. Yeah. Or we could go into like Horace and Jesus. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Isis and Mary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So let's talk a little bit about the Celts theology. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about theology, that means like their spiritual belief right so the celts believed in an afterlife and in reincarnation and this is interesting as well because the romans actually wrote about the druids and their belief in reincarnation we are not sure which system of reincarnation the druids actually believed in because it's recorded several different ways by different people so in one um, observation, it was noted that they believed that the soul would reincarnate into either a human or animal body. Yes, which That's is the, the same. One I know of. Right. Yeah, which is the same. Which has the, actually the same theory that Pythagoras had. Hmm. So they they compared it to that, uh, and then others recorded that they believed in soul migration which is different. I'm not really sure how, but there were different accounts on the type of reincarnation they believed in. And nobody's really sure which one was legit. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but they also believed that you could visit the other world or the afterlife if you were worthy or chosen. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously a very shamanic practice, right? And, um, it is reflected in other shamanic traditions like the vulva in the Norse tradition or the shaman of Siberian traditions. Yeah. Um, and essentially the individual travels up and down the world tree to visit the gods or, and or the dead or enters the other world by way of a fairy mound, ancient tomb or over slash under the sea. Can I stop you there? Cause I want to, I wanted to inter- inject something here, interject, interject whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Inject, interject, I don't know the word. And go. (laughs) So there's, and there's a term for it in the Norse tradition. I cannot remember what the term is. Please forgive me. But talking about ancient tombs and fairy mounds, there is a practice or is, was a practice both in the Celtic and in the Norse tradition where a person would sleep 
or maybe not necessarily sleep, but stay overnight on top of a mound or an ancient tomb with no one else around, no light, no anything. They would just sleep there, stay there in order to gain, you know, messages or to commune with the fae or the dead, basically. So I found that was really interesting. Hmm. And I just imagining that like for myself, Ooh, I don't know if I could do it. I'll be honest with y'all. Like I'm scared of the dark, especially outside. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, being out in the, in the wild by yourself, no lights, nothing in the dead of night. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. Ooh, that takes a brave soul, but apparently they did it. Huh. Yeah. Sorry. Well, <laughs> how about traveling to the other world? So the whole point of traveling to the other world is to find lost souls and to speak to the gods or the fae for advice in healing and or war matters, right? So anytime you need counseling, just, just go to the other world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no, the I, did that too, which we discussed in the Norse podcast, right? Right, which legit, I'm not saying you should not see a counselor if you need one. I'm just joking about oh, going to the other world. Under, yeah, I understand. You know what I mean. For, for sure, yes. Okay, so... But, so... You could go there for advice and healing and war matters uh, right. or other matters, but you're not never supposed to linger there long, right? Because you might not come back. Correct. So make or it a quick eat trip. The food. You're never supposed to eat the food there as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, the legend goes that if you do return time will have passed much quicker on earth than in the other world. So time is different in the other world. And an example of this is the tale of Finn McCool in which he journeys to the other world and, or well, the hero journeys to the other world and returns as an old man. And so they, he's given an elixir of vitality and his youth is restored, but he chooses to keep his white hair as a sign that he's been to the other world. Which that is so bad ASS, right? <laughs> I agree. So cool. It reminds me too of like Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> ah, that's funny. <laughs> Love it. Rip Van Winkle. Uh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what about... So we know the Celts were very much into nature and trees and the gods that inhabited these places. What about animals? I think, I feel like Celts were very into animals as well. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. So just like Norse, Egyptian, etc., the Celts had their sacred animals as well. So we know of these through some of the Irish myths and sagas recorded in the Middle Ages. And some of those animals include the salmon, stag, boar, bear, horse, dogs, snakes, beavers, crows, ravens, crows, ravens, crows. Yeah. <laughs> you get the idea. Yeah. 
Uh, keeping in mind in later folklore in Europe, the hero is often led to the other world by one of these animals. So sometimes they are white or red in color, which makes total sense uh, because red, white, and black were sacred alchemical colors to the Celts. Yes. And uh, so after the animal has led someone to the other world, the animal then becomes the hero's guide to returning to the earthly plane. And in general, probably sticks with them, I would assume. Yeah. And I think this is a good way if you're planning on journeying to the other world it's a good way to you know invoke protection is to build a relationship with an animal guide and ask their assistance into the other world and then to be able to pull you back home basically right i agree yeah definitely And then the other big one in the Celtic Reconstructionist shamanic practice or Celtic witchcraft is (laughs) shape-shifting. So tying into visits into the Celtic otherworld, shape-shifting is also important um, in reconstructing Celtic shamanism. We have many tales of shape-shifting heroes, including the tale of the goddess Caridwin, who shifts into multiple animals in order to capture the shape-shifting... I can't even say this guy's name. It's Gwen, but I don't know. <laughs> Gwen. Gwen. <laughs> I can't... I, that's one of those names that you can't say with a straight Why face. Gwen. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, who would later become Talus and the Bard. Yeah. We have the story of... Fintan, who spent hundreds of years in other animal forms, according to legend. And of course, we have the goddess of war, the Morrigan, who shifts into a wolf, crow, cow, old woman, and banshee in the Ulster cycle. Hmm. So shape-shifting was a big deal. And I just want to say one other thing as well. So druids and Celts were an animistic society, if Mm -hmm. that's not clear. Yeah. So animism is essentially that everything has a spirit. Yes. So, and I also read something too, and I think that they, if any of our listeners are into watching The Last Kingdom, they talk about this as well. The difference between the Romans and the Celtic and even the Germanic peoples, the Celtic and the Germanic peoples were very much, they didn't see their gods being necessarily personified but always through some aspect of nature or animals and the romans were very much here's the statue of such and such does that make sense so when the romans started to encroach and like conquer these lands the celts and the germanic people kind of i don't want to say laughed but they like made remarks about it like look at these <laughs> Romans with their statues, you know, ha, 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 kind of thing. Eventually, they would take on those practices too. But it's just something interesting that I found, and they talk about that in the Last Kingdom. If if anybody uh, watches that, I know Laura, you don't, but you need to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just that animism is also an integral part of shamanist shamanistic practices. Oh yeah. So I wanted to 
just slip that in there as well that and you know there was back then so we're talking about reconstructionist celtic shamanism because essentially back then there was no shamanism right they didn't have that word they didn't so this is shamanism is a more modern word that we have labeled what they did because it all fits Mm -hmm. yeah it's for us to understand a classification of esoteric practices essentially right so makes sense to me (laughs) outside of the whole reconstructionist shamanic practices if you're working in celtic magic into your practice there's another biggie that you want to probably maybe incorporate or, or look into and that is working with the fae would you agree with that yes absolutely so whether you decide to take up any of the shamanic magical practice of the Celts, you may choose to work with the Fae. As most of you know, the Celts were strong believers in the She uh, and the good folk. Entire books have been written on the Celts' faith in the fairies, um, of which we will list as recommended resources next. But um, by getting to know the land spirits in your area and by working with the elementals there, you are keeping the Celtic magical spirit alive. If you want to learn more about fairies, go back and listen to our podcast called The Fairy Realm from earlier this season. But yeah, so working with, and this is a whole nother, I'm not going to get into all this, but there were also Celtic practices where uh, um, they were later, of course, but there were people referred to as fairy doctors. Yes. So that's super interesting. Uh, Biddy Early. Oh, I'm sorry. What? Biddy Early. B-I-D-D-Y Early. Yeah. She was a, one of those, like a fairy healer in Ireland and somewhat of recent times. I want to say it was the 1800s even. Right. And yeah. with, with fairy doctors, fairy practitioners, uh, there was this belief that the, the fae could essentially heal um, anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that she claimed that she got her remedies and cures from the Fae. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So any type of back, you know, with fairy doctors and fairy faith here, any ailment, any physical ailment, any mental ailment, any, any ailment period could be explained by and cured by the wisdom intuition given from the fairies to a fairy doctor. Mm-hmm. So, but that is a whole nother ball of wax, but the head it, exists. It's interesting though. And when you think about just real quick, when you think about when did the, I want to say transformation or just this, the change from, I feel like there was a, a time period where the Celtic gods went from gods to fairies, right? Mm. And they were probably land spirits too, but I feel like there was a lot, there was some, somewhere there was a, a, a switch or, or something. And maybe it was during the time when the church rose to power. I don't know, but there, there was a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a power, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, 
Yeah, no, but I hear what you're saying. you wonder if some of that knowledge or that the healing power comes from the gods as well. And are they the same thing or are they different? Anyway, again, yeah, a whole nother ball of wax. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, aside from that, you can also choose to work with Celtic gods and goddesses um, from the Celtic pantheon. Uh, remember, while there are a lot of Celtic deities who are somewhat popular in the general pagan community, there are literally hundreds of Celtic deities to work with. Yes. Sometimes working with the more obscure deities is the most rewarding. Mm -hmm. um, so to name a few Celtic gods, <laughs> and please forgive my pronunciation. <laughs> You'll be fine. You got this. I believe in you. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> Do it. Lou, Kernunos, Bellinos, the Dogda, Oima, Oime, however you say that. You got it. Uh, Manon MacLear, Aronin, Braun, Agnes. I don't know. What is Angus. that? Angus. 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 <laughs> Angus. <laughs> That's a good chunk of beef. Anyway. Cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll help you. Yeah. Say that again. Kuhulin. And aren't you related to that one? Through the McNally clan, he's supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a descendant. What, what? <laughs> <laughs> and technically he's a hero, but you know, there's crossover between like the legendary heroes and the gods, but anyway. Uh, Maven, which, yeah, that's where Maven comes from. Um, <laughs> what, what? Granos, yeah. um, and that's just to name a few. And then Celtic goddesses, Breed or Brigid, uh, the Morrigan, Queen Maeve, Cleanna, Eponia. Ep I always pronounce this one wrong. I don't know why, but I always want to say that way, though. Yeah, I like that. Eponia. <laughs> but everybody says it's just Epona. I don't know. Um, Rhiannon. I don't know. Okay. I'll help you. Fleish. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Danu and Caridwin and the other one. I'm not even going to try that. <laughs> Nehalenia, I think. Nehalenia. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, those guys. So. Yeah. Yeah, they're hard <laughs> to pronounce, but, and like, Okay, for our for our listeners, you can literally Google Gaulish Celtic gods, and a whole mess of deities will come up that you've never even heard of. So that's like, yeah, that's like your goddess here, Cleanna. Okay, for yeah. the people listening, Cleanna. Yeah. This is spelled C L I O D H N A, and yeah. is pronounced Cleanna. Yeah, that's yeah. why I can't pronounce this. Stuff. It's hard. It's not, it's not easy. Yeah, for sure. But I think I want to, like, I want to make sure that people know that there's the gods from continental Europe as well. Mm. So yeah. they're like in France, even So the, that's where the Gaulish Celts basically resided. But I think part of it like stemmed into Germany and Luxembourg. But anyway, there's like Abnoba and Sequana and a lot of their deities were attached to the thermal springs. So if you have any ancestors from France or Luxembourg or um, I want to say it's Western Germany, but I don't know now, you might want to look into those deities as well. 
Yeah. And also from the research that I've done on Druids and Druidism. So there was also different sects of Druids, I believe, because so wherever the Celts were, the Druids were, and the Celts were also like in the Iberian Peninsula. So that's like Spain mm-hmm. down in there. Yeah. Yeah. And Turkey as well. So yeah, there's, which makes sense though, because yeah, that's like. There the, was, there was Celts the in Northern Italy too, in the Alpine region of Italy. Right. So I don't okay. think that Celts that existed in what is, you know, France and Celts that existed in what is known as Northern Italy are going to be the same. No. There were some deities that seemed to travel, <laughs> you know, Epona or Eponia was one, as well as Bellinos, or, or I think they call them Bell in other places, or Bellunus. There were some that seemed to travel, or I don't know, they spanned different regions, but there were a lot that were central to a specific region, right? A specific river or mountain or what have you. It's pretty interesting. Right. Yes. What about getting into if people want to read or study more about this path, what are some resources that you would recommend? Okay. So Tales of the Celtic Otherworld by John Matthews, who has also written classic Celtic fairy tales. Um, so that one, Celtic Myth and Magic by Edane McCoy. I love Edane McCoy. She's Anything great. Yeah. That she writes. God rest her soul. Great. Goddess, rest her soul. <laughs> writes, wrote. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, Fire in the Head by Tom Cohen. Such a Cowan. good book. I, I actually use, it's a good book. Just get it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, Whispers from the Woods, specifically, if you want to learn more about the Oyam and tree magic in general by Sandra Kynes. And also The Fairy Faith in Celtic Countries by W.B. Yeats. Yes. So that one's good as well. And I believe there's another one. Um, I haven't read it, but have you read, I think there's one called Betwixt. That is dedicated to the fairy faith? Um, um, sounds familiar. I don't know. There's also one that I recently purchased, not to do with the fairy faith, but it's called like Celtic Cosmology. Mm. I don't know. It's very in-depth. And I started reading it and I got like three pages in and it was a little too scholarly at the time for me. Not that I don't like scholarly books because I can, I trust me, I do. But at the time I was like, I can't do this right now. But <laughs> supposedly a really good book as well i forget who wrote it but yeah i think it's celtic cosmology something or another i don't know google it (laughs) all right so before we go miss kitty here has picked out one of her favorite celtic passages by amergen who was the chief bard of the milesians I was was telling Alora this before we actually started recording that I did read this at our guinea pig's funeral. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's a wonderful passage though. So here it goes. 
I am the wind that blows across the sea. I am a wave of the deep. I am the roar of the ocean. I am the stag of seven battles. I am a hawk on the cliff. I am a ray of sunlight. I am the greenest of plants. I am the wild boar. I am a salmon in the river. I am a lake on the plain. I am the word of knowledge. I am the point of a spear. I am the lore beyond the ends of the earth. I can shift my shape like a god. Love it. I love these old passages, you know? Well, and this definitely speaks to their animistic views for sure. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I think that we have done it. (laughs) We've done it again. So I, I can wrap this up if we are ready. We are ready. All right, folks. Check out our articles on Celtic deities and practices at otherworldlyoracle.com. Type Celtic into the search bar and you'll find a whole mess of stuff. We welcome you to join our high-vibing Facebook group and visit Alora's wonderful website at alorarain.com for numerology and soul origin profiles, amongst other wonderful things. (laughs) We want to Do a shout out to all of our oracles for joining us, whether you're new or returning. Subscribe to or favorite our podcast to be notified of future episodes. Help your magical sisters out and be sure to share our podcast and review us too. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.